Here we are locked on NFL alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network taking you around the league. We've got to get to that Monday night football game and some ancillary discussions about officiating, which is an unfortunate thing that we just have to cover. I do want to remind everybody first before we get into this stuff, thank you to everybody who has been subscribing and reviewing the show. That always helps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you can find us everywhere, just like all the shows here on the network. You can find me on Twitter, at BD Peacock. You can find Matt, at Williamson NFL. So, Monday Night Football, a big one in the NFC North, and the Lions played him tough, and I thought the Lions had this one, especially jumping out to an early lead against the Packers. And then, as Aaron Rodgers tends to do, found a way, came back with a banged-up wide receiver core, 23-22, Packers. And before we get into the game stuff, Matt, most of the talk I'm seeing has zero to do with the game today on Twitter and around the league. It's all about the officiating. Does does the officiating take away from this game for you? Where do you weigh in on, on that issue? It does to me. And I've been somewhat critical of the officiating situation in a way I feel for them because I think it's a ridiculously hard job right now. But in this instance, I absolutely think those two pseudo hands-to-the-face calls cost the Lions a game, and a crucial game. And the difference between being, what, 3-1-1 as opposed to 2-2-1, you know, I mean, that's light years difference, and the Packers would be, instead of being 5-1, it would be 4-2, and and then you're a half game back from the team you just beat. Um, I can understand one, but the exact same thing happened. Like there's no checks and balances. There's no one saying, hey, I think you missed that one. Or uh, it's mind-boggling to me because they both were bad calls. He didn't touch the face either time. You know, like, again, one I can excuse. But what's this guy see? I mean, whoever threw the flag... Who saw a hand to the face? Did you actually see a hand hit a face mask? You Mm -hmm. obviously didn't because it didn't happen. I mean, that being said, the Lions shouldn't have let Green Bay back in this game. It shouldn't have come to that. But it did come to that, and the officials have a job, and they're doing it poorly collectively. And I still think the easiest way to do this is very simple, is you you take the, the red flags away from all the coaches. It's not up to them. They're not officials. There's one dude or woman or whoever sitting in a box by themselves watching everything live and on TV replay, and when they see something that got screwed up, you hit this little red button, and the officials huddle up, and this person in the booth says, hey, I think you missed one. Let's look at it. I don't understand why why it has to be so hard. I like that plan, and I even would go a step further before it even gets to that point, and I just think the NFL right now is being over-officiated. It's, it's too hard yeah. of a job, and, and you mentioned it there. The officials can't be good because they're being asked to do the impossible right now. The only answer to me is just fewer flags. You cannot throw a flag unless you see it, and the NFL has put, you know, it's, it might be an overreaction, but it's a reaction, and I understand they want to get things right. They put a new rule in place with the challenging of the offensive and defensive pass interferences. They're trying to avoid a a Rams-Saints situation. And now that's in place. That's fine. And we're not seeing a bunch of Uh stuff getting overturned. But that play would have gotten overturned today now that we have that system in place. But the other stuff is like you just can't throw flags at everything. You can't throw flags every single time you see a receiver, you know, 
put his demonstrably put his arms back and in the air and make it look like he got you know touched or tugged on a on a pass interference mm-hmm. or an offensive lineman and and really Bakhtiari sold that and I think that's the key thing is you see the reaction of the player and you think ah maybe that happened so let's throw a flag you can't throw the flag unless it's so painfully obvious we saw it at the beginning of the season with all the holding calls it's like what were you doing you got together in the offseason and thought that was a good idea to throw more flags in the NFL it's insane yeah and you brought up a good point there too because now, I mean, you, you, we've seen it for a while on, you know, deep pass interference calls. I'm not going to catch this ball, so I'm going to initiate contact, let him run into me, yep. whatever. I'm going to try to draw a flag. I mean, you see it in other sports too. I get it. But if it gets to the point now where offensive linemen, I mean, like everyone watched that game last night, and I bet every tackle in the league's going, oh, I could sell that. I mean, you know how often <laughs> a hand gets up above my shoulder pads or in my neck region or – is near the bottom of my face mask. If I just snap my head back, we're gonna we're gonna get a positive play out of it. Like that's a, it's going down a terrible road, and I feel for the Lions. You know, it, you know, just to bring it back to football, you and I have kind of apologized to the Lions that boy, you guys are better than we thought, and they really are, and they're going the right direction. And I'm in the process of writing an article about how impressed I am with Matthew Stafford and. Uh, and you lose a game like this, like I mentioned to start the show, the, the standings or the ramifications in the, a really tough division are going to be really hard for them to overcome. And it's frankly, it's just unfair. Let's get into this actual game here. And uh, Alan Lazard, I love the story there. I love Aaron Rodgers heaping praise on him for his work in practice and, and having the, the guts to say what play he wanted to run and running it well and making some big catches down the stretch there. I liked Alan Lazard coming out of college. That's why I wanted to bring him up, and I was surprised he went undrafted. I thought he was a mid-round guy, and I thought maybe he should have been a tight end in the league from day one rather than a big receiver because I think he could play there with his physicality and his size and just, you know, he could put on a few pounds, and then physically he'd really be uh, what you're looking for in one of those move receiving type of tight ends with his uh, athleticism rather than a receiver who's maybe just a little bit sluggish as far as a guy who can separate. But glad to see him get a so shot. So you thought he was like a Waller type? Yes, exactly. I thought that was the perfect okay. path for him as an NFL player. Yeah. And, and we'll see how he sticks here in Green Bay. And it looks like he's won the trust of Aaron Rodgers. And, and Rodgers needs to trust somebody when you're out all of your, your <laughs> best wide receivers at various points. And uh, it's pretty obvious that that offense needs Adams back. You know, as fun as it is to watch Aaron Rodgers bring that team back, you have to be worried about the first half that they needed to come back. Right. I mean, I think there's still a lot of inconsistency. I would like to, I'd feel better judging the offense if Adams were out there because it's clear, even Valdez, Scantling and Allison, I mean, those guys are fine, but they're not difference makers. You know, I mean, they're, they're not guys, you know, they're fine. Um, You know, and the Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams things gets peculiar as ever. And it looks like Williams is just the guy they trust. Um, But boy, Rogers made some throws again. I mean, he, I don't want to say single-handedly, but pretty close, was really, really responsible for leading that comeback, made some great throws. And the Packers' defense really firmed up. So, again, the Lions do deserve a little bit of heat for letting it come down to the officials making it a game. But I thought the Lions jumped up on them and would run the ball like crazy and you know shorten the game, and they weren't able to really do that. Yeah, the Aaron Jones situation, it looks like he's going to get, because fantasy owners, they've been waiting for the Aaron Jones breakout, and it was happening this year, and he had the four-touchdown game. Uh, what was that week? Was that week? I think it was just last yeah, week, last week against right? Dallas. Against Dallas, yeah. So four touchdowns. Yeah, here it is. 
He had 100 yards on the ground, four scores, drops the touchdown pass in this one, and then all of a sudden it was all Jamal Williams in. It's got to frustrate those uh, Aaron Jones owners. And uh, there must be a reason behind the scenes. Maybe he's got bad work habits. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know anything about that. But there seems to be, the Packers are always looking for a reason to put another running back in over Aaron Jones, who's the most obviously most talented one there. So that's still an interesting storyline. Real quick on that, and I often look at this through a fantasy lens, obviously, too, but when multiple coaching staffs treat you the same way, yes. that means, that usually tells you a lot. You know, like, if they're, they know he's more talented of a runner than Jamal Williams. Everyone in the world knows that. But this different coaching staffs, it's not like they have it out for the guy. I'm sure, and again, I'm not saying he's dumb or he doesn't work hard. I don't know any of those things, but I bet he's untrustworthy in two or three major categories, including protection. Do you think that they are in that situation where, okay, they're playing good defense, and then on offense they could be so much better, so watch out for this team because they're 5-1 and one and they're still not even hitting on all cylinders yet? Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to judge it. And, you know, they didn't even have um, Savage last night. And, you know, there, there, there was a couple injuries, too. Not that everyone's always going to be 100% healthy, but they're overcoming some hardships and winning some tough games. So I think you could, and certainly considering who their quarterback is, I think it's smart to say maybe they're not playing their best football yet, which is awesome considering where they are in the standings and, you know, the, the cushion that they've built. But I also think, like, if and when we do a power ranks here soon, which could be coming very soon, I don't know that I'd have them, like, in the top five or so. I mean, I don't know if they're playing great football. The Detroit Lions going from possibly 3-1-1 one, and one, to 2-2-1, two, two, and one, which is the difference between second place and last place in the NFC North, which they currently are now in the cellar again, even though the Lions are playing some good football, and I've been impressed by them. Yeah, me too. I mentioned Stafford. I think Galladay is really turning into a number one. I think their line is good. I think their defense is starting to take the shape of Patricia. Uh, a lot of man coverage, a lot of Patriot-like tendencies. I think Hawkinson's going to be a star. So things are definitely going in the right direction, and, and I, I think Stafford deserves more credit than he's getting, too. All right, I want to ask you about some other things in the news, Matt, in segment number two, and then we'll see if we can figure out what the playoff picture is starting to look like around the NFL in segment number three. This podcast is brought to you by Roman. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. So we debuted a new feature this week, talking with the winning host from the Sunday Night Football Games. Just so happened to be Tony Serino of Locked On Steelers this week. I do want to run a little bit by you here, and this is an interesting one from Gil Brandt on Twitter about Steelers quarterback Devlin Hodges. He says, Hodges became the sixth undrafted quarterback to win his first start in his true rookie season, but he is the first to do it from a non-FBS school. Devlin went to Samford, hmm. D1AA school that has produced just seven NFL draft picks in his history. So that's very interesting history making by Devlin Hodges on that win Sunday night. Yeah. And he is an interesting young man. Like he, uh, I've kind of described it this way as I get the feeling that he's always been basically the best player on the field. You know, I mean, he, he beat, he, he, he tore up Steve McNair's um, passing all-time records. I mean, like, he's highly accomplished. I mean, he won their version of the Heisman. I mean, he was a, basically the best player 
like I said, every time he walked on the field at the college level, and he plays that way still. You know, it's not the game's not too big for him. He's very, very confident. Um, he is playing with house money. I mean, he didn't wasn't drafted. He wasn't even a priority free agent. That he is, is slinging it out there. And one of the things about Rudolph is there's been times, there's many times that people were open and he hasn't let the ball go and just doesn't understand what NFL open is at this point where Hodges isn't bashful. I mean, he's not overly talented, but he has that makeup of a guy that could last in the league for a while and come off the bench and spark your team or get you out of a game like a, a Michelob ultra version of like Rich Gannon. All right, so there's been a lot. His nickname is Duck, by the way, because he does this yeah. duck calling thing, and he's a champion duck caller as well as a, a good a quarterback. Uh, Matt, we talked about doing this before. I'm going to play some duck calls for you. You tell me which one is Hodges, which one is real duck. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure. Okay, here we go. Here's one. Two. Three. And four. You have any feel which one of those was Devlin Duck Hodges making the duck call of those four? I'm going with one. You would be correct because they were wow. all Devlin Duck Hodges. Those are all oh. fake duck calls. I like the third one. Wow. It was just like all like a, a, just a, a duck on cocaine is what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that what the ducks are telling each other in each one of those versions. Like, right, exactly. Hey, man, yeah, what's nice he trying? To or hey, get me out of here! Or someone shooting at us? Or, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the conversation with those duck calls? That's interesting. Right. All right. All right. That's it. <laughs> enough. Enough. Devlin Duck Hodges. Great story though. So I love talking about those kinds of uh, stories. And obviously a win the Steelers desperately, desperately needed. And, right. And uh, one little note there too is Stephon Tuitt is out for the year. And this sounds extreme, but he's honestly been the Steelers' best player this year. And he only played five snaps, I think, against the Chargers and tore his pectoral muscle out for the year. That's an, yet another huge blow for Pittsburgh. Wow. And, yeah, and a lot of talk about uh, Hodges, but it's that defense, it's the running game, is the reason they won that football game. And mm-hmm. on the other side, San Diego Chargers, or gosh dang it, I did it again. The Los Angeles Chargers, they're in a tough spot. Two and four now, not looking good there, and at some point, you know, Philip Rivers, does he want to go through this at the end of his career? He looked pretty upset getting in a little scuffle there at the end of that game. Yeah, and their offensive line is really the root of all their problems. I mean, it was great to see Hunter Henry be a dominant player right from the bat, you know, right off from the get-go, and I think that that's who he is. I've been expecting him to be one of the best tight ends in the league now for a while, and I think that's coming, so that's encouraging. But, man, their line is awful, and I do think that I know the Steelers' front does that to a lot of teams but that's going to happen to Rivers all year. And just league-wide as a whole, the quarterback picture, we talked about it earlier in the season and, and tears and stuff with Mike Sando. Phillip Rivers could be nearing the end, and you hope it doesn't become like an Eli Manning situation with Rivers where he just keeps mm-hmm. playing and keeps playing, the team's not going anywhere. Because I was hoping it was going to be a nice you know, push at the end of his career, and I thought they were going to be a much better team. We're seeing Drew Brees get hurt, Roethlisberger getting hurt, and some young blood at quarterback being forced into action around the league. And at some point, those guys are just going to all be gone, period. And the landscape of the quarterbacks around the league is going to look much different. Yeah, and fortunately, there are a quality group that looks like it's ready to take the mantle from the Bradys and Breezes, and those two are still playing well. But I'm also a little curious 
what's Drew going to look like when he comes back from injury, you know, and um, Ben, what's he going to look like if, assuming he comes back next year? Yeah. Will Eli ever play another snap? I thought Rivers looked a little worn down to end last year, you know, and his protection was even better then. What's it going to look like in December this year? So, I mean, there's a reason that people haven't played into their 40s all that often. Right, yeah, and it's rare, and, and we have a lot of technological advances, and uh, there's a lot of people eating better and, and just taking care of their bodies, but it's tough, And man. the rules help. It's not easy, and uh, yeah, right. I hope those guys, like, I hope Tom Brady plays forever because I want all the guys that are professional athletes that are older than me to stay to keep playing because at some point uh, I'll be older than all the professional athletes, you know, and I want guys like... Bartolo Colon, who's 45 years old, playing Major League Baseball. I don't care how bad he is. Keep playing, man. I love it. So I hope those guys, <laughs> I mean, I truly hope they play forever. Hey, real quick, uh, before we get to those, uh, get to the playoff picture here, uh, a former Steeler guy, maybe you have some insight onto his, into his mindset, but Ryan Clark on ESPN, uh, he's been down on the 49ers, and this is going crazy on 49ers Twitter. I want to put it to you real quick because you would know as, as well as anyone if, you, if this is a strong statement or just trashed by Ryan Clark. He says, I'm 100% convinced the 49ers are a good football team. I'm also 100% convinced that they'd be just as good if Mason Rudolph was their quarterback, maybe even better. So he's really he's really trashing on Jimmy Garoppolo with that one. And he earlier in the season, he said the Niners were pretenders. So he's flipped on that. Maybe he'll flip on Garoppolo later. But Mason Rudolph, as good or better if he was quarterback in the 49ers. Wow, that is strong. It's first I've heard that. Um, I don't know Ryan. I mean, I, I've been doing Steeler stuff for a long time, but just the last two or three years is when I've like moved into camp and I'm at the facility all the time. Um, and he was, he was gone. So we never really crossed paths when I was basically a full timer or, you know, close to it. Um, but a lot of people respect him uh, and is considered a smart dude. He was always the guy that allowed Troy Polamalu to run free because Ryan would just cover everything and, you know, be on in t- in top of that. And I took this two ways when he said this was, first of all, was it a huge compliment to Rudolph? Like, is he really excited about Rudolph mm-hmm. or any way you take it? It's not a compliment to Jimmy. That's what I mean. Like, like <laughs> right. the way you saw it. I mean, no doubt about it to give Ryan the benefit of the doubt. My hunch is it would be, boy, I'm really excited about Rudolph. And frankly, I think Rudolph would fit that Shanahan system extremely well. That would be, that, that's a fit. I'd love to see. It'd be better for Rudolph. Um, but I also think it's a compliment to Shanahan and the system they run that it's not super quarterback centric. We're not asking you to carry the team, just, you know, manage things, make throws. But I think Jimmy's better than that. And I think his best days are yet to come. So, I mean, obviously I don't agree, but that would be my take on what he said. 49ers Twitter definitely did not see it as the rosy sure. side of things. They're like, oh, you're there could be a couple layers to that. one, <laughs> Right. And the other thing is you, when you're a talking hit on TV, sometimes you have to have a take, even though you're not feeling uh Super strong about it. <laughs> we see a lot of flip-flopping, as Clark already has on the 49ers. But, uh, yeah, let's get to that NFL playoff picture. Let's start AFC here. At the top, it's pretty easy. The New England Patriots look like they have a cakewalk into the playoffs. Uh, right now, a team like the Oakland Raiders would have a tiebreaker over the Colts for that 6-7 and seven spot. Um, I guess we got to start with the divisions first and then figure out the wild cards. You want to do it that way? Yeah, Yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. So... AFC East, New England Patriots, I think we both believe they're going to be that division winner. You've got yes. the, the Bills that are, you know, I like the way the Bills are playing right now. Um, let's move on, though, and, and hold off on the Bills and hold off on the wild card stuff, and let's look at the AFC South, which is a very interesting one. Houston Texans right now 
leading that division. Yeah, I feel like this division, every time I jump on board with a team, I jump right back off. <laughs> like, yeah. who sustains success? But let's not forget, I mean, the Texans won a lot of games last year. Bill O'Brien seems to get this team to 9-10 wins every year he's there, even with Matt Schaub and Fitzpatrick and dudes like that. And Watson sure isn't those guys. So I think the defense is good enough. I think the offense is highly explosive. I'm not so sure that we're not going to start talking about Watson more in a Mahomes-like light here soon. And so needless to say, I'm taking the Texans to win the South. Yeah, especially with that head-to-head win, Watson over Mahomes and the Texans over the Chiefs. That was a huge one. That was probably the biggest game of the week. And uh, looking at this South division, I got to believe one team only gets in. And right now, I'd put all my money on the Houston Texans. But, you know, the the Colts might still have their say at 3-2. and Looking at the AFC West and those Chiefs now coming off back-to-back losses, they're only one game up right now on the Oakland Raiders, who are at 3-2. and And right now, the Raiders would be in. Yeah, I'm still going to take the Chiefs. I mean, they have some problems. Mike Lombardi said this well, that Andy Reid needs to help his ailing defense and run the ball a little. I mean, like they, going into last week, they run the ball eight times in the first half every game. And last week, they hardly ran it at all. Like, I know passing's more efficient and running doesn't matter and running backs don't matter and all that that the stats tell you. But you got to keep your defense off the field once in a while. So, I think the Chiefs will get that fixed. They're dealing with a lot of injuries, including their quarterback, but Tyreek Hill's back. I think we'll look back at the season and say, boy, early October was a tough time for the Chiefs, but they're still really good. And then the question is, could the Raiders make a push, or are they closer to the Broncos and Chargers than they are to the Chiefs? And I kind of lean in that direction. Uh, Before we talk more Raiders, let's get to the AFC North, looking like the Baltimore Ravens might run away with that division. Already a two-game lead on everybody else. They're at 4-2. Browns and Steelers at two and four, and then the Bengals, of course, zero and six. Yeah, and I hate how the Browns are playing. That bad mojo there. They look like they're sort of rudderless right now. Steelers getting that win goes a long way, and now they go their bye. Then they play Miami, and they've got a lot of really easy games ahead. But I'm still taking Baltimore to win the division. I think the two at injury is gigantic, as I mentioned before. I don't love the Ravens' defense, but I do like their quarterback, their coach, their offense, their kicker, You know, their, their special teams, and they have a two-game lead. So, yeah, I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to end up winning the North. Patriots, Ravens, Texans, Chiefs. Those are the division winners right now, and that's how it would stand, and I fully believe those are going to be the teams that are there at the end in the AFC. NFC gets, I think, a little bit more difficult, and there's still some things to uh, to figure out there in the AFC, so those aren't all locks, but then you've got to figure out a couple teams who would be the wild cards. And if it ended today, which it does not, Buffalo Bills and Oakland Raiders get those spots. And the Raiders right now do have the tiebreaker based on head-to-head win percentage over the Colts, but a lot of games to play, and so that could change quite a bit with those three and two teams. Then you've got to drop down into two win categories for the Browns. Can they come back and get into this thing? The Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe even the Steelers, Chargers, what are you looking at here in the wild card picture in the AFC? I feel very confident that Buffalo gets in and gets at least six more wins. Ten, ten wins certainly will get you in the playoffs in the AFC. They don't have a super hard schedule either, and I think they're a good team. I'm going to go with the Colts. I mean, they're three and two. I like their makeup. I like their line. I really like their coach. I think they'll figure out a way to get to nine, maybe ten wins and be that six seed. 
I just don't believe that the Raiders, and they're trying to prove me wrong, I don't believe they're going to be there at the end, so I got to go Colts. If there was a huge shakeup, Raiders drop out, maybe even the Colts drop out. Of those teams with two wins right now, do you have any faith in any of those teams being like, oh, this is going to be a second-half team, they're going to make a run, whether it's the Browns, Jaguars, uh, the Broncos now that have won two straight, or the Steelers or Chargers? Or the Titans are still two and four, but they've taken a turn for the worse. Um, If I had to pick one... It would either be the Chargers or the Steelers. I guess I would lean towards the Steelers of who will have the best, you know, record going forward of those two win teams. But there's not much to get excited about with that crew. I would like to say the Browns, but after watching them on Monday Night Football, watching them again this week, I do not believe in that coaching staff. And that might be the thing that's really going to hold Cleveland down in the end. Yeah, I, I think they have problems. Okay, so I think we're in agreement there. That's the the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Texans, the Patriots, the Bills, and the Colts. And I I think I like that group. It's going to be more difficult for the NFC. Let's take a look at, well, the 49ers have the best record in the league right now, and they are currently leading the West at 5-0. A couple of statement wins the last couple of weeks, especially against the reigning NFC champs in the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the West has the Seahawks at 5-1, and one, the Rams now at 3-3, three and three, two full games behind the Niners, and of course the Cardinals in the caboose, 2-3-1. and, three and one. Which isn't all that bad for Arizona. I mean, 2-3-1, and one, <laughs> we didn't think they would be that good yeah, uh, after them. six games. You know, so give them a little bit of credit. I think the Rams have major problems. I don't think they'll end up being a playoff team. I think this is going to be a highly disappointing year for them. But I'm picking your Niners to win it. Uh, I love everything that they're doing right now. Um, the, the defense in particular, but the running game, again, a high-quality coach. And I'm a Jimmy believer. And that's uh, – winning your division in the NFC is going to be very important, especially when you're looking at, say, the NFC East. And uh, I believe you. I'm a believer in the 49ers. I was hitting pause on that for the first few weeks, but after what I've seen on Monday Night Football – uh, they're just dominating on the defensive side of the ball and, and have the opportunity to get even better, somewhat like what we talked about with the Packers. If the uh, passing game, Jimmy Garoppolo, that gets a little bit more consistent, but the 49ers' schedule gets more difficult too, so there's a little give and mm-hmm. take there, and it's going to be a dogfight between the 49ers and the Seahawks, who still have to play twice at the end of the year in that division, and I think one of those two teams could have a, a nice little setup to get the wild card spot looking at the east the best team in the east right now only has three wins both the eagles and the cowboys at three and three I, this is my toughest one to be honest mm-hmm. with you because uh, i love the eagles before the season i love wentz i just think their secondary is going to be a huge problem for eternity i mean they, they can't cover anyone and dallas losing in new york to the jets i, I thought that was a get right game for them I'm going to take the Cowboys to win the division, though, very reluctantly. I think they have fewer holes. Um, the Cowboys are not the same without Amari. It doesn't like look like he'll be out long. I think their defense is pretty good. I think they're a well-rounded team, but I trust the Eagles' coach and quarterback more. So I'm really torn, but I didn't think the Eagles would be 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, I'm torn there on that one, too. Uh, I'm going to go Eagles just because I have a little bit higher confidence coming in with them, and I, I don't like what's going on in the secondary right now. And so, uh, But I think they can figure, figure things out offensively, be well-coached, and uh, it's going to be a fun one there, Eagles and Cowboys. And right now it's shaping up for neither one of those teams getting in if they don't win the division. So that's, that's going to be huge. Right. 
looking at the yeah, north. Yeah, they kind of wish they were in the AFC. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, easily <laughs> both put the put both those teams in in the AFC. Uh, the Green Bay Packers leading the North at five and one. You've got the Vikings, big win at four and two now. No losing records in this division. Bears three and two, Lions two and two. Yeah, we talked Packers and Lions. Obviously, to start the show. I'm torn who's going to win the division, though. I think I'm going to go with Green Bay, but I think the Vikings could make it very, very interesting. I think Cousins sort of turned a corner this week that, guys, he's not horrible. You know, let's not blame the whole world. Let's not the national debt, cancer, everything that's bad in the world is not Kirk Cousins' fault. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so I do think the Vikings are hard to play against. They have some star power, but I'm going to go with the Packers. They got the one-game lead. Sneaking that one out last night goes a long way in that division. The Saints lead the South, and the Panthers are in second place. Saints 5-1, and one, Panthers 4-2, and two, both of them with some interim quarterbacks, so very impressive runs by those teams with their starters out. And uh, I think the Saints is the most telling there that just they've got a better football team than a lot of people realize because you thought it was Drew Brees and a lot of dudes. It's not. They're, they're good, and Teddy Bridgewater doing enough to keep them above water while Drew Brees is out. Yeah, and I'm going to take the Saints to win their division, too. I mean, I think they'll only get better. Teddy's only getting better. Then they're going to get better when Brees comes back. I mean, the Saints are really good. Defense is really good. Sean Payton might be my coach of the year. Yeah, that's not a bad call at all. Looking at this uh, wild card picture, so we've got 49ers, Packers, Saints, and either the Eagles or the Cowboys it's going to be tough for that East team to get in, whether it's the Cowboys or the Eagles, although there's a lot still to play there. One of those teams could go on a run. You've got, if that's the way the things end, you've got the Seahawks at 5-1, and one, the Vikings at 4-2, and two, the Panthers at 4-2, and two, the Bears right now at 3-2, and two, all better records than uh, the Cowboys or the Eagles, and then the Lions hanging out at 2-2-1, two, two and one. Uh, the Rams also at 3-3. Three and three. A lot of contenders there for those two wildcard spots. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, as of right now, I'm going to have the Eagles outside the playoffs, and I had them representing the Super Bowl for the you know the NFC. I mean, the Rams are going to be out of the playoffs for me. The Bears, um, the Panthers, who are four and two and playing really well. So I'm going with the Vikes, who I just praised, and Seattle, who might have the league MVP, and they only have one loss. You know, they're a three game winning streak. I always talk about the coach quarterback combination. Seattle has that as well as just about anybody. And boy, Russell Wilson is a stud. I mean, I didn't think they'd be five and one. They they blow me away every year. Yeah, unless they really beat up on each other at the end of the season, the NFC West looking like it's really lining up to have two teams go in, and the NFC North would have to be the other division to get that second team in. So for me, I have the Eagles going in, and the Cowboys not in the playoffs because the Eagles win the East in this scenario. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you got to go Seahawks and Vikings. Been really impressed after a slow start. What I've seen from the Vikings the last couple of weeks. I still believe in the Bears. Does Trubisky sitting and watching for a couple of weeks has actually help him? I like what they've got on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, can't discount them. You can't discount the Rams. You, there's so many teams you can't discount. So a lot of these teams could still go on a run, and some of the teams that look like well, they have the best records right now could crumble a little bit, fall back down. There is a 49ers-Packers game on the schedule this year, which should be fun as well. That's the way it looks today. We will rank all of these teams later this week, do some power rankings and uh, reshuffle things as we go through this season. A lot of fun and a lot of teams in a much different spot than the last time we checked in. Talk to you guys tomorrow right here, Locked on NFL.